Therefore, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I love you. to the church, and we are taking part in multiples of those today. We're proclaiming the word. We're gathering to encourage one another, but we are also baptizing, and we are remembering that blood through communion today. I'm excited for us to be able to take part in that today. This is a, what Jesus calls us to do, to remember because along the way, as life travels and we move through life, it's easy to get distracted, it's easy to forget, and it's easy to think this is all on me, but we are drawn back to the fact that it is all by the blood of Jesus and alone by the blood of Jesus. I love the picture of baptism because it shows what Jesus has done for us in his death and resurrection, and it shows that we are following, fully entering into what he has done. I mean, we are fully submerged into his death and resurrection. In baptism, we are fully entering into what he has done. But in communion, we are remembering what he has done, and we are allowing it to fully enter us. The cup and the bread enter us, and it's a picture of the forgiveness, the grace, the love of Jesus entering into the depths of who we are. And for that to happen, we have to be at a place to drop our pride, be humble, turn from our sin, and allow all that he has done to enter into the depths of who we are. So I hope you brought a piece of paper today and a pen. We're going to get to the board today some more. We've got more to show as we prepare for communion today. If you, had a, if you don't have a pen and paper, uh, feel free to pull your phone out and take some notes along the way uh, or take a picture of the notes along the way. That'll be helpful for you. So let's talk about this idea that the blood is intended, the forgiveness of Christ is intended to enter into the depths of who we are. And let's start with a little bit of a description of what each one of us is like. So in each one of our lives, there is what uh, others see. There is what uh, they see about us. They see where we go, what we do, how we carry ourselves. And that's the outward part. And that outward part, kind of like social media, can be deceiving sometimes, right? It just, we like to all put our best foot forward, and that's great. And social media is that. It's putting our best foot forward. But don't ever compare your worst days with somebody else's best days on social media. Amen? 
because they have their worst days too. It's just nobody puts that out on social media. It's just reality. But So there is what others see. Then there's what I choose to reveal. You get into some relationships with people you trust and you start letting a little bit out about what's going on in your life. But even with that, we're pretty guarded. It's pretty much what I will allow you to see and that is usually pretty safe for most of us. But then you get to the place where there is something down inside. For example, my thoughts. These are the things that are very personal to me. This is the way I think. And we don't always tell what we think. At least you shouldn't. Hello? In certain situations, we do. You know, we, we talk too much and we say too much and we've let the words out of our mouth before we've ever put a guard on them, right? Sometimes we even... Don't think before we speak, right? And then some people even think while they're speaking and then they wish they hadn't said what they did because they needed to think before they spoke, right? It happens that way sometimes. So there are my thoughts. There are my longings. They're the things that I hope for, I dream for, I want to see happen in my life, the things that are out ahead, the hopes that I have, and that's all great. But then there's another area of life, and with each one of these, it gets a little bit more personal. So, for example, there's another part that's a little bit deeper down, and we're going deeper the further we go here. There are my griefs, my hurts, the things that have been traumatic to me places that I have been hurt by others. Things have been said to me. Things have been done to me. Mistreated, taken advantage of, hurt. Whether it be physical, emotional, maybe they were abusive. Maybe they were losses that happened. Maybe they were no one's fault, but they're just losses. They're griefs in our life. These are the things you just don't talk about with everybody. The next layer down are my weaknesses. These are the things that uh, I'm not great at, I'm not proud of, I struggle with, I fail at sometimes. These are for sure not in the realm of social media posts at this point and not even just part of casual conversations. You don't just walk up to someone and say, hey, I've really been struggling with my own self-image lately. I've really been struggling with how I see myself. I've really been struggling with some past thoughts that have come back into my life and it's causing all kind of traumatic reactions and it's causing me to struggle in a lot of ways in my life. Those aren't just regular conversations we have, right? And then the next layer down are my, my failures. These are my sins. And this is certainly off limits. This is not the kind of thing you just walk up and start talking about in conversation. These are the pieces that are the much deeper parts of who we are. And finally, you get down to this place of where you find the real me. That deepest part of who I am the part that no one sees. And when we take communion and when we believe by faith in Christ, it is intended to enter into all the depths of who we are. It's intended to go down deep into the deepest parts of who we are and completely transform us. But the thing that often happens is that 
we struggle with that. We think, well, I don't mind, you know, getting involved in church. I don't mind, you know, hanging out with some other Christians. I don't mind praying and people seeing me pray and talk about some Bible topics. That's all safe and stuff, but getting all the way down here, talking about and thinking about and applying Christ and his forgiveness and redemption and hope and grace and his love for me, all down into this stuff, that's something very, very different. Isn't that what you're supposed to go see a therapist for? Maybe. But Jesus says, why don't you let me be your therapist first, and then we'll see what else you need out there. When Jesus was here on earth, he met a group of people who weren't too interested in getting into all this with truth and grace. They were the people that were very knowledgeable about Old Testament scripture and were very proud that they knew a lot of scripture. But they only let that affect what others saw and what they were willing to reveal And that was pretty much it. They weren't willing to let Christ's love enter into the depths of who they were and transform them. And Jesus was saddened by that, frustrated by that, because they were plastic, fake. They put on a big old show in front of everybody else in their religion but they wouldn't let Christ into the depths of who they were. In fact, Jesus called them actors, hypocrites, fakes, and they wouldn't even change when Jesus addressed them as that. They doubled down on their hypocrisy. And so Jesus would say, you people are like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but inwardly you are full of death. And Jesus said that to them publicly. He didn't just send them a private message on Facebook. He expressed it publicly because they were the religious leaders of the day. And when you only allow Christ into this part of who you are, you're missing out on the real healing, freedom, and life that he has for us. In fact, you are not really fully set free if he hasn't entered into all of these parts of your life. If you haven't humbly, intentionally allowed him into the depths of who you are. It's interesting. Scripture is very honest, of course, about life and what we go through. Proverbs has this fascinating verse that talks about when other people say hurtful things to you or about you. It says, the words of a gossip are like tasty morsels, but they go down into the innermost being and cause pain. I kind of think about all this right here when you and I have things that happen to us that are hurtful or said to us or done to us or just happen. It goes down into the deepest parts of who we are, and it, it hurts. It causes trauma. It stays there, and it affects us at the very base level of who we are. And this is what Jesus 
came for. It's to not just give us a religious system. He didn't come to add a Sunday activity to your life. He came that you might have life and have it more abundant. But for that to happen, you have to be with Jesus to the point where you're willing to allow him to enter into the deep personal areas of you, into the places that are in desperate need of healing, into the places where you need to be set free. And the Old Testament told us he was coming and what it would look like. So in light of this, let's look at a passage that if you've been around the faith for a while, you will know, you will find this familiar. And it's Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. It's fitting for us today, of course, in light of communion. But it explains what Jesus has done. And here's the thing. When these are not healed, then what it does is it produces in us conflict and pain and a word that I have used here a lot in this last series. It causes dis-ease, a lack of peace, a lack of rest, a lack of health. And so here is what soul dis-ease looks like. We've talked about this. It shows up in us as shame and ongoing guilt, as self-hatred, self-punishment, thinking I have to punish myself for my sins. It shows up in rejection. It shows up in anxiety where I can't rest because I'm just at an unease in my soul in the deeper points of who I am. It shows up in hopelessness when I look at the future. It shows up in control issues. I've been hurt, and I'm not going to let you hurt me again, so I will protect myself. I will control my situations. I will keep you outside the barrier. It shows up in jealousy and bitterness. It shows up in just a deep grief inside. It shows up in depression. It shows up in isolating ourselves. It shows up in sin choices that we have. This is not the first time you've seen this. I've shown you this before in this series. In fact, we have heard the stories of people right here in Vertical who have said, I have been in dis-ease, but Jesus has met me in these deeper places and is healing me here, and it is showing up in my life. Amen? whether it's relationships that have been reconciled, whether it's people who have said, I was struggling with a physical dis-ease that came from a soul dis-ease, and when Jesus met me and healed the soul issues of my dis-ease here, it changed my dis-ease that I even had here. Right? That's what we've seen. And I didn't just make that up. I'm not just trying to come up with some psycho babble talk on a Sunday morning. We are preaching the gospel truth from the scripture and Isaiah 53 shows us this truth. Isaiah 53 verse four. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Here in this prophetic message about a savior who would come, what he would do is he would take 
all that has been this part of you, your griefs, your hurts, your losses, your disappointments, the places of great pain, the people who hurt you the deepest, all of that Jesus took on himself on the cross. We look at the cross and think, man, just the horror of the nails and the hammer and the crown of thorns and the beating on his back, that's terrible. And it was. But what Jesus was bearing in his soul was of greater pain than all of that because he was experiencing all of these things that we've just talked about. He was experiencing your guilt, your shame. He was experiencing my anxiety, my depression. He was experiencing all of that on the cross. He was carrying that for us. He bore every bit of that. That's why the sky grew dark. That's why he cried out to his father, why have you forsaken me? He was experiencing every bit of what you and I bear in our grief and our guilt and our shame. But he didn't just bear it just so he could say, I get it. He bore it so that when he died and was placed in a tomb, he would take every one of those diseases into that grave with him so that they might die and that you and I might not have to walk in them. This is what our Jesus did. He carried our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He carried the weight of guilt that you and I feel when we sin. He carried the weight of rejection. He carried the weight that you and I feel whenever we feel like it's on us to somehow pay for our sin. He bore all of that. Isaiah prophesied it. What's fascinating to me in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew would write, after seeing Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law and see Jesus heal many others who were demon-possessed, Matthew would quote this verse. But Matthew is going to say it in a little bit different way that is going to connect all the dots that we've been looking at. Here's the way Matthew says it. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Matthew watched Jesus healing people and he quoted this passage. The Bible just keeps putting it together. If you have soul dis-ease, it's going to show up in other places in your life. And when it does, deal with how it shows up. But by the grace of God, turn and deal with what happens here in your soul. Because until you're healed at the soul level, you'll never experience the full healing at any other level, whether it be relationally, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, or even physically. Isaiah goes on in his passage and says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him. What you and I deserved, he 
took for your sin and the cost of that, he bore that on the cross. What was necessary to get to a place of peace, he paid for so that you wouldn't have to live a life of trying to pay for your own sin, of trying to punish yourself enough, of trying to hate yourself enough, of trying to guilt yourself enough, of trying to shame yourself enough. He offered a way for you to come by faith and receive what you could have never done on your own, peace with God. Isn't that staggering? that he would do that for you and I. And then Isaiah says what we've all heard. And by his stripes, by the wounds on his back, we are healed. You see, when you allow Christ to begin to deal with all of who you are, when you allow him to make you new, at the deepest part, when you believe by faith and you are born again, he changes you at that level. He changes who you are. He doesn't just add a list of to-dos to you. He changes you. And he begins to take, or he does take completely, your sins and forgives them. You don't carry the weight of your guilt any longer. You don't carry this self-punishment, this self-hatred any longer because you've been set free. Where you have had weakness, he now gives great strength. He gives you open access to heaven to cry out to him. In the places where you have dealt with so much grief, so much loss, he begins to do the work of healing. He enters in to those places where you were deeply wounded. And he says, I know you have felt the sting of rejection, abuse, and being mistreated. I am here to be your comfort and to be your healing, to be a father to the fatherless, to bring grace where there has been great pain, and where there's been great sin, to bring great grace. And so he begins to restore. And in the places where our longings have not been met, he gives great hope. And in my mind, truth begins to enter in, and I have hope, and I have a rebuilding of my mind, and my thoughts, and my way of thinking, and the way I live, and instead of having to be arrogant and cover, I am now filled with humility, and instead of trying to cover and deny and not show what is at my core, I now live by faith, and others see Christ in me. This is the full transformation and this is why it's so important to remember what Jesus has done for us. In the New Testament, Jesus explained something that we're going to do today. He's going to explain this process of communion. And the Apostle Paul will do the same in 1 Corinthians. And in light of the Passover, as Brianna explained, 
we today take part in taking in the blood of Christ and the body of Christ into the depths of who we are. And the blood has meaning. The bread has meaning. But the process of taking it in is rich in meaning as well. Because we don't just set the cup and the bread on the table and look at it and think, that's beautiful. No, we are instructed to take it in, into the depths of who we are. Because this is where life comes from. And in 1 Corinthians 11, we have explained for us what is to be the process. Follow along with me here. Where the Apostle Paul writes and he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So on the tables here today is unleavened bread. Again, for us Texans, we call it crackers, right? But for the, the Jew in the day, they knew this is unleavened bread. This is bread that is made without yeast, because yeast was a picture of sin. And so this bread is to be symbolic and picture the body of Christ. And so it is to not have any yeast in it because Jesus was without sin. This made him the perfect sacrifice. So if you were to see this in its full form, it would look like a, a very large cracker to us Texans, matzah, bread, and it has been broken here on the table for you today, but it, it is a picture of what Christ has done for us in his own body, this matzah bread. Without yeast, it is striped. If you were to see it whole, it would have burned stripes on it, showing that Jesus went through the fire of judgment for you and for me. It is also pierced with small holes, reminding us that Jesus was pierced for our sin. And the instruction is, again, not to just look at it, but to take it in, to take in that in the body of Jesus we have the payment for our sin. He was broken for us. He gave up his life for us. It is to be a picture, a forever reminder, and a continual reminder of how deeply you are loved. You might not have known that kind of love growing up in a family. Maybe all the models that you saw were not loving Maybe you've experienced some great pain in your life. Maybe you've not been loved as you always longed for. There is a Savior who has loved you and his body pierced, broken, shows you. You are loved. 
But the passage goes on, and Paul writes, and he says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus said, not only take the bread, but take the cup as well. Because in this cup is the picture of the new covenant. Jesus said, I've come to establish a new way to relate, that man would relate to God. In the Old Testament, it was the sacrifice of a lamb who provided the atonement, the security, and the safety that was needed. It was the blood of a lamb that was poured out on that night, put on the doorpost, so that there could be cleansing, so that there could be protection from the death angel. But here, Jesus says, I've come to establish a new covenant. And this new covenant is not in what you are going to do, but it's in what I am doing for you. Because Jesus became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And by his blood, he would enter into heaven and pour it out on your behalf. And he would do this once because he was the perfect Lamb of God. No other lamb had been enough to forever atone for sin. But Jesus was. And he paid for sin once. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. There's so much security and comfort in that. Because that reminds us that when I sin now, I don't have to go and try to atone for my sin. I don't have to go do five good things to try to pay off the one bad thing I just did. I enter in and I remember that Jesus gave his life for me. And I receive that by faith. And I say, Jesus, I feel like I need to do something for you. I feel like I need to punish myself for what I just did. I feel like I should hate myself for all that I've done. But you offer this unbelievable, gracious gift of receiving your death on my behalf. And I am allowed to walk free. Now you can see why those who receive that kind of love would turn around and love in return. No one who truly receives that gracious gift of love turns and spits on that sacrifice to go off into a life of sin. Those who truly receive it into the depths of who they are are truly born again and they receive a new passion for life. Now Paul goes on and, and he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You keep doing this until he returns again because he will return again, but you keep remembering. You keep proclaiming. You keep drinking. You keep eating. Keep remembering. Your identity is not in you, but it is in Christ. Therefore, Paul says, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty 
of the body and of the blood of the Lord. Whoa, Paul, you just made us all a little bit nervous here today because you just suggested that there's a way to actually do this here in a few minutes that is an unworthy way, that would not be a good way, that in fact would be something that would put us back in a place of guilt. Now, I know what normally happens is at this point, you start thinking, oh my goodness, I gotta make sure I'm perfect before I go from here to here. Because it would be unworthy of me to make a step from here to here and I not be perfect when I pick up this blood and I eat that bread. Listen to me. The requirement to go from your seat to this table is not your perfection. The requirement to come from that seat to this table is to say, Jesus, I allow your body and your cup of covenant to enter into the full depths of who I am, that it might penetrate all that I am, that it might forgive and heal and enter into all that I've done and all that I have hurt, all that I have been wounded by. I bring your blood and your body into the depths of me. That's worthy. Amen? To not take it in. To just dismiss it as some religious activity. Sure, I'll do this. Maybe this will gain me a point with God. That would be unworthy. You understand? We don't take this moment lightly. We don't take this moment as just some religious activity. We take this moment to symbolize, Jesus, you have saved me. Jesus, your blood has changed me and I drink this cup and I eat this bread to take it into the depths of who I am, not just physically, but into the depths of who I am in every part of me. Paul goes on and he says, let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. In other words, Pray and think before you come. Am I allowing the body and blood of Jesus to enter into the depths of who I am? Into all of my thoughts, my longings, my griefs, my weaknesses, my failures, into the depths of me? You should examine yourself before you come, not to see if you're perfect but to see if you're truly receiving what you are receiving. And Paul says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Those who have no consideration, those who don't allow the forgiveness and grace and hope of Christ to enter into the depths of who they are, they simply come here and drink more judgment to themselves. Well, I'm just doing this religious thing. I sure don't feel close to God, but... And do they walk away healed? No, they usually walk away in greater guilt. We don't come to this table this morning in greater guilt. We don't come to this table this morning in greater shame. We come to this table this morning in deep humility and reverence and joy over what has been given to us, forgiveness and redemption in Jesus. Amen? Now listen, here's what Paul says next. 
that puts it all together, what we've talked about in this series, verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Paul, you're getting way too personal here. You're saying that there are some people in the church who are weak and sick because they've not clearly understood what Jesus has done for them? Is that what you're saying, Paul? The answer is yes. He's, there are some people, and he was talking to the church in Corinth, who were weak, they were sick, and some had died. They had dis-ease in their soul because they didn't take in what Christ had done for them. And Jesus invites us to a table today for healing, for redemption, and to be set free. Paul closes with these words. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. In other words, if we would take this moment to allow Christ to enter into the depths of who we are, then we would not have to leave this place in judgment today. We would leave it in joy. He closes with this. And when we are judged or when we are properly taking in what Jesus has done for us, we are chastened or instructed by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world, that we might walk out free, that we might walk out like that firstborn in the story this morning, unafraid of what's ahead because the blood has atoned for me. Amen? Are you grateful for the blood this morning? Are you grateful for the body of Jesus broken for you? Let that love, forgiveness, grace heal every part of you. Let it go into the deepest parts of who you are. Let it enter in to your past hurts, trauma, failures, weaknesses, and all that no one else sees so that Jesus can heal you and set you free because there is healing in the blood. There's life in the blood. I'm going to pray, and then after I finish praying, the band's going to begin to play. When they do, and when you're ready, when you've taken time to pray, feel free to come to the table. Take a piece of the bread. Take a cup. Return to your seat. And then drink and eat. Not judgment to yourself today, but the rich forgiveness that is ours in Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, it is with great humility, gratitude, joy, that we approach the cup and the bread this morning, knowing it is far more than what we could have ever deserved or earned, but that you have given it as a gracious gift so that we might truly be free, that we might be free from all the pain and dis-ease of the soul so that guilt might be removed and instead forgiveness would wash in that self-hate and punishment would be removed, that instead great love would enter in, that all the striving, all the fighting would come to an end, and instead great peace would enter in, that you would heal all that is painful inside, every past wound, every hurt, every grief. 
Thank you for being a Savior so good to us. We do remember today, for this is our life. This is our Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.